0: Hey everybody, how's it going today? Good to see you. So I want to thank you for braving the rain. It was pouring out there. and You got to cross Lake Regal on the way through here. We, we were trying to get it in our grand opening campaign budget for a sailboat that we could actually ferry people through. And uh, man, I'm glad you all survived that storm yesterday because wow, that was crazy. It was like a hurricane here. I mean, was that at your house? No, I mean, I literally was in fear. I, we organized our entire day around fear about this storm. And I was asking people, how many of you had anything blow over? Did anybody have any storm? Did anyone see a storm? Some people? Okay, well, cool. I'm glad that somebody did. I mean, I was glad, but we live up in the woods. And, and I mean, you can ask my wife. And I tend to be a worrier, if you know me. I tend to be a bit of a, just a bit of a worrier. A trifle bit. And... I was worried all day that a tree was going to fall on us and we can look out of our, our house is kind of built into a hill and we can look through the skylights and there are big trees behind us. And so I was living in fear all day that a tree was going to come through and kill me, but it didn't. I'm here and praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm looking out there like watching, thinking at some point they're going to start shaking and the wind's going to blow and it was just, you know, didn't happen. And then I'm like, is this my prayer? Am I like Jesus? Did I calm the wind and the waves? No. No, I was in fear. Well, we're excited to have a, th- this Sunday today. We're finishing up a series, and I'll, I'm going to jump into that message, uh, the third message in our Dangerous Prayers series. How many of you have enjoyed the Dangerous Prayers series? That Bethany kicked it off three weeks ago, and then last week, yeah, it's been a good time. Uh, but next week, we're starting a new series called Crazy. How many of you have ever said, my life is Crazy. Like at this moment, and Bethany and I, uh, we we this is the very first series. Crazy is the very first series that the Lord put in our hearts for Joy Church uh, many many months ago, and I'll tell you why God did that. But we're starting that series next week, which is coinciding with our grand opening service, October 23rd. So please invite all your friends and family, anybody that you find outside, just grab them and say, "You're coming to church with me today." I'll buy you some popcorn. Uh, we're just wanting to invite the entire community to come and experience God's love and find family, community, find Christ, hear the gospel in this environment. So that's what's going on next week, as Judah did a great job telling us about. Uh, and yeah, it is awesome when you go pass out door hangers or hang out and hang door hangers. I call them, My mom was calling them door knockers on the, the phone last night, and Bethany and I were like, okay, whatever. Uh, we're going to be doing that this week, so definitely come and get some at the end. But it's going to be a great Sunday, uh, next Sunday. But today, I am excited to share a message with you about this third dangerous prayer. And this third dangerous prayer is this. Lord, send me. Somebody say, send me. Send Send me. And this one is, again, like we said, every week it has the potential to be an anchor message. Meaning this, that it's a message that you hear it. And, and something happens inside of you and you look back many days or weeks or months or even years from, from this moment and you say, Since I prayed that prayer, since I heard those words and I felt God speak to me, I've never been the same. It's an anchor message. It becomes something that, that does something in your heart, in your life, that you look back and say, I've never been the same since that moment. And this is a, an incredibly dangerous prayer. Week one was about search me. God, look inside of me. That's a scary thing, isn't it? God, meet me in my mess. God, find me right where I am and see my flaws, my weaknesses, and everything I am and come in and search me. It's a dangerous prayer. Last week was the the message that was, I feel even more dangerous. Break me. God, break me. And we talked about, man, I, I don't even know if I can pray that prayer with sincerity right now in this moment. God, will you just like break me down so that I can be rebuilt? But that's something that needs to happen. We need to be broken because, you know, we don't, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses, right? So God, break me. But today is a dangerous prayer. God, here I am. Send me. Lord, wherever you want me to go. God, whatever you want me to do. God, whatever you want me to give up. Lord, I'm ready. I'm available. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. So God, here I am. Send me. It's a dangerous prayer. You know, most of the time when we pray, and I'm preaching to myself right here, as always, I pray for myself. God, would you help me get a good grade? God, would you help me get a, a raise? God, would you help me get the best parking spot at Winco? Uh, Lord, would you help me beat the Baptist to the burger joint after church today? God, right? Like, it's, it's, it's self-centered prayers. How many of you are with me? We pray for ourselves a lot. You know, when we pray, it's kind of like, God, let me be rich and famous and cool and have the best hair and... You know, all that kind of stuff. and then Or we pray for people that we love. God, will you bless my family? God, will you cause my children to, to be delivered of the demonic spirits that are causing them to disobey me? Right? And we pray for the people that we love. And, and more seriously, God, will you heal my spouse? God, will you heal my mom? God, will you, will you save my, my nephew? We pray for those around us that we care about. But what if we asked God what He wanted? What if in our prayer we did something kind of dangerous and we began to say, God, not, not my will, but yours. God, and it's, again, it's not bad to pray for yourself. You should do that. It's not bad to pray for those you love. But what if we began to, to cast a wider net and say, God, what would you have me do? God, this life that you've given me, this breath that you've given me to breathe and, and, and all my possessions, God, I, I make it available to you that you could send me into the world. You could send me where you want me to go. You could send me to speak your truth. You could send me to be your hands and feet in the world. What would happen if we began to pray that dangerous prayer and said, God, what do you want? And I'll tell you why I don't pray this prayer very often. You're like, you're a pastor. Yeah, it means I understand more what is going to happen if I pray this prayer. As I said last week, the, the break me prayer, I'm like, I don't know if I can pray this, because I believe that when we pray, God hears yeah. Yeah. and responds. So what happens when we pray, send me? Why, why is it difficult? Why is it dangerous? Because we're afraid that he could actually respond and actually send us. And my worst nightmare is that I would be called to go be a missionary in a foreign country. Those of you that know me, as I said, I have a tendency to worry slightly <laughs> I get sweaty ankles when I think about going on a trip. It's a real thing, guys. It's a real thing. It's true. I get, like, the weirdest. I feel disgusting. I get freaked out. I'll tell you a story about this later. But I'm afraid if I say, God, send me, that he's going to say, Jake, I've called you to go to the jungles of Southeast Asia. Oh, no, God, please. (laughs) Jesus, no. I I don't want to pray, send me, because I don't want God to answer. Right? (laughs) But what if we said, no, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out of my comfort zone and trust in your goodness. Yeah. Trust that, God, you're not going to send me someplace and not give me the grace yeah. to accomplish. Some of you are excited about going to Africa or going to Asia or going to wherever, but you're freaked out if God tells you to stay in Eugene. Wow. Because this is the place of pain, especially right now when the ducks are two and four. <laughs> This is a difficult place, right? Maybe for you, it's where your family, it's where you grew up and it's where the pain is at. And it's where your deepest heartache is at. It's where your, your ex lives. It's where you got fired. It's where whatever is going on in God, you say, send me. And he says, okay, stay. And love the people in your neighborhood. And you go, oh, I don't want to do that. Because it's easier to love people that are far away. One of my favorite writers, G.K. Chesterton, he said, Jesus tells us to love our neighbors and to love our enemies because often they are the same person, right? So the prayer of sending, the prayer of availability, it could be scary because you might have to go or it could be scary because you might have to stay. And we feel nervous for good reason that God is going to push us out of our comfort zone. But what if the best life, what if the greatest adventure, what if who God created you to be, that that individual that is really going to take a deep breath and really... Soar, I mean, really be alive is on the other side of your obedience. What is waiting on the other side of your availability? What is waiting on the other side of saying, God, I'm going to trust you to lead me and guide me because you are a good father. You are, you are my master, Jesus. I don't just follow you as Savior, but I follow you as Lord. So I say, God, I'm available. Here I am. Send me. And I believe that God answers that prayer. But you know, theologically, it's, it's kind of a settled question. At the end of Jesus' ministry, right before he ascended into heaven, the very last thing that he told his followers, those disciples that were there, he said, all authority's been given unto me. And he said, so you're going to, therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. We call this the Great Commission. And yet for a lot of Christians, it's the Great Suggestion. But when Jesus gives something as a declared commandment, go into all the world, well, my interpretation of that, my hermeneutics, maybe I interpret that differently, that's fine, but it's pretty clear, go into all the world and make disciples. However that pans out, there's a command to go. It's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission, it's the great mission of Jesus. And did you know that as a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not today, that's okay, we're glad to have you here. And and there's going to be an opportunity for you to make a decision to follow Christ, but For those of us that are followers of Christ, we are all called to be missionaries. You say, well, I'm not supposed to go to Africa. No, me neither. I'm too white; I would just burn to a crisp, right? I I, I like fast food, you know, not food that's faster than I can run. But we're all called to be missionaries, not necessarily to a foreign country. Some of you are in this room. Some of you are. Maybe I am, and I just don't know it yet. Some of us are called to go across this country. Some of us are called to go into our neighborhood. Some of us are called to do lots of things, but we're all called to be missionaries. Maybe not in a foreign country, but right where we are. Because a missionary is someone who is on a mission. And a missionary in the Christian context, very simply, is a person who has encountered the grace of God, who has believed in Jesus and become his follower, and now is following Jesus on the mission that Jesus is on. Okay? Okay? Jesus is on a mission. He said, I came to seek and save those who were lost. Until He comes back and, and we all go to heaven and, and eternity is, is culminated and everything is coming together, we are all called to be on the mission of Jesus. We're all called to be missionaries. Maybe not on a foreign field, but right here where we are. Maybe you're called to be a missionary at Burger King. Maybe you're called to be a missionary uh, as, a, as an athlete. Maybe you're called to be a missionary as a student. But wherever you are, you are called, you are commissioned, if you are a follower of Christ, to be on mission with Jesus, following Him. So as we take the journey, this is how we say it, as we take the journey, take somebody with us. We're always looking to have one hand with God and one hand with someone else. We're, we're extending God's grace. We're extending His mercy. We're proclaiming His kingdom. We're on mission. We're missionaries right where we are. And so today, it's what we're talking about. God, I'm available. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. There's three ways to respond to the call of God. You say, well, I haven't heard an audible voice come and tell me to be a missionary. I haven't heard an audible voice tell me to move across the country. It's okay, the audible voice comes to you right from Scripture, what I just said, the Great Commission. Jesus said, go, make disciples. How can you make disciples in your context? But there's three different ways that you can respond to this call. And we're going to look in the Scripture at three men and how they responded to the call of God. The first man is a man named Jonah. The very first message that I taught uh, at Joy Church, there was 29 of us in my living room. And we got a noise complaint from the neighbors. You know, because we were just bringing down the house with worship. And uh, Judah was banging the drum. And so that's, I think, what, what triggered it. But we talked about Jonah. But Jonah, if you know this story from the Scripture, he was called... By God to go to the city called Nineveh. And so the first response and what Jonah did is he said, Here I am, I'm not going. <laughs> this is where a lot of us are at sometimes when God calls, Lord, here I am, I'm not going. God said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it in Jonah 1 1 because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. How many of you ever run away from the Lord? You say, I I feel the Lord is calling me to serve inside the church, but I'm not ready for that. Here I am, I'm not going. I feel the Lord is calling me to share my faith, or at least share my life with the people at my, my job, my work. Here I am, I'm not going. And I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you here, because I am right here, you guys. So many times I've heard the voice of the Lord speak to this person, share love with them, give this person some money, uh, you know, get, connect with this person, invite him to church, and I, and I go, here I am, I'm not going. And I regret that. I, I don't want to be the kind of person that is connected with the very Spirit of God and hears His voice and feels His promptings and doesn't get to experience what's on the other side of obedience. What is on the other side of obedience? Here I am, I'm not going, not doing it. I have too much going on. I'm too busy. Well, I'm focused on my career right now. Oh, I can't give. God, I'm not called to give. I have too many needs. Here I am. I'm not going. Number two, second way that we can respond. A man named Moses. I'm not going to go into great detail, but he was called. It says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses was, had been gone from Egypt for 40 years and God called him back. said, go back. You're going to deliver the people. And Moses said, no, God, I stutter. He had a stutter. He had a speech impediment. And so he said, send my brother Aaron. Aaron has it going on. Aaron is like Carl Lentz or something. He knows how to preach. Aaron can speak. And Moses is going, you know, let my people go. And he said, God, I don't have what it takes. So here I am. Send somebody else. Right? You got a willing heart. You hear the call. You know that it's a valuable mission. And you don't want to say, God, I'm not going. You're not there, but you're saying, God, I'm not qualified. I can't tell you how many times I hear Christians say, well, I'd lead a group, but I just don't know enough. You know, if you've read one chapter of the Bible, you're qualified to disciple somebody. If you've, if you've lifted your hand to Christ and given your life to Him, something has begun in that moment that right now you are a missionary It's not about how much you know. It's about how much you allow God to use you even in your weakness. Because you can impress people with how much you know, but that's not how you connect. You connect through your brokenness. I'm broken. I've heard the gospel. Jesus is working in my life. Here's my story. Yeah, I don't know the answer to all your questions, but I can tell you that God has done this in my life. Come on, what the world needs is not more experts. It needs more activated Christians, real people. Real people. Come on, Joy. Real people who carry the hope and the light and the love of Christ into their context. Here I am, God. Send somebody else. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I'm not the right person. Lord, I don't have enough money to, to go on this mission trip. I don't have enough money to serve. I, uh, God, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Uh, uh, I, I'm not qualified. I stutter. I don't speak well. Oh, I I'm can never, I'm never get up in front of people and speak. Oh, I can never do this, never do that. You can never do something until God allows you to do it. You see, you plus the power of God is something completely different than you all by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you from personal experience, I grew up deeply insecure, deeply insecure, uh, wanting to, to be something and feeling, comparing myself to other people. I couldn't do this. I can't do that. And the Lord had to deliver me, but I found that but God using me in my weaknesses and who he made me to be is a completely different thing than me all by myself. Don't say, God, here I am, send someone else. And the third way we can respond, it's like Isaiah. Isaiah was a, a young prophet, and he says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. And this is the third response send me. Here I am. Everybody say it send me. Don't worry, you didn't pray it. That didn't count, right? You have to <laughs> wait to the end. You're like, He got us right there. It's over. Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And we're going to look in the context of this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. We'll have it up on the screen. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. I want you to remember that phrase, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. These are the kind of things you see on Halloween, flying around, right? If you're freaked out. I would be scared if one of these things showed up in my room. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah's having a vision of heaven. They say that the whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. This is actually a pretty accurate depiction of what it is when people have an encounter with God as you are undone. It says in another translation, I'm undone. I am rendered to nothingness. I am pulled apart. I am ceasing to exist, for I'm a sinful man. He says, I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. And I always think right there, no duh. Because if somebody took tongs and put a coal to your lips, you'd know. (laughs) You don't need him to tell you, by the way, I've touched your lips with with this coal. Oh, thank you. Ah! You know. But the angel is stating the obvious here, you know. And he says, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, listen to this part Whom should I send? This is the message of God, the call of God that is coming to all of us right now today. Who shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. This was his response. Now out of this account, this vision that Isaiah is having here and what's occurring, there's three steps, three things that are embedded within this passage that we're going to look at about seeing the Lord and hearing the call and taking the step. But I want to point out that Isaiah has a recognition that he doesn't have what it takes to be who God has called him to be. He says, I'm, a, I'm undone. I've seen God. I've had this encounter. I see his purposes. I see who he is. I see his character. I see his nature. He's holy. He's, he's amazing. There's angels everywhere. This is, this is incredible. I'm undone. I'm, I'm nothing. And he realizes the state of his condition by himself. And you see, a lot of times we come to the mission of God only with a mindset of where we are right now. But that's why the angel comes and says, no, I've purified your lips. I've brought the coal from the altar. The very fire of God, the presence of God has now touched you, and you are now different than you were before. You are now different than you were before. See, if you approach this prayer of God, send me, but you're not truly baptized by the fire of the Holy Spirit. You're not truly brought into the power of God. You have not had an encounter. You have not seen the Lord. You have not let the, t- the coal touch your lips, then you are always going to be intimidated by the call of God. But it's not about you by yourself. It's about you plus the power of God, the gospel of Jesus that is transforming you from the inside out to be a brand new creation, to experience the good works that God has prepared for you beforehand that you could walk in them. All by ourselves, we will fail every time. Come on, I'm a failure. Any failures in here? Any failures in here? But with... The power of God. I can be who He's called me to be. doesn't mean I won't continue to fail. doesn't mean I won't continue to fall. But the power of God that dwells in an earthen vessel. There's cracks. There's holes. It's not always good. It's not always pretty. Sometimes it's actually really ugly, but God gets it done through me, and that gives Him glory. Come on. It's not just me by myself. It's the power of God. See, the coal has touched your lips. Okay, God, I felt it. I'm different. Three steps of sending. Three three things that we see out of this account in the Scripture. Number one, you have to see the Lord. Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This is a genuine encounter with God. You see, a lot of people have rejected, maybe wrongfully, but they've rejected a powerless form of Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. It's the true story of reality. Christianity, a religion in this sense, in, in the way I'm using this word, means a, a way of, of earning your way or, or a, a set of rituals or behaviors or even thoughts or whatever that leads you into a right standing with God or a higher power Christianity has elements of that, but that's not actually what it is. Christianity is the true story of reality. There is a God. He's the Creator. We've fallen out of relationship with Him because of sin, but He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and bring us back into relationship with God so that we could be in perfect harmony with our Creator and be the people that we were created to be. That is the true story that Christianity presents about reality. It's a different way of looking at the world. Let me tell you why the world is so screwed up right now. It's not because of Hillary. It's not because of Trump. It's because people believe in a different story of reality than each other. You see, one side thinks we've got the real story. The other side thinks we've got the real story. And the reality is none of us do. All of us are broken because of sin. So whether we lean right politically or left politically or whatever, or whatever one lines up more accurately with how we see our faith, the reality is we all need to be transformed by the power of Jesus and be brought into an accurate picture of morality, uh, of life, of how we are to be. So Christianity is the true story of reality. You have to see... The Lord, a genuine encounter with this God. People have rejected Christianity because they haven't had a genuine encounter with the real living God. They have not felt the presence of the living God. They have not seen the love, the hope, the grace, the peace that passes all understanding that emanates from a true relationship with Jesus. And that's because Christians have not experienced an encounter with God. Isaiah was a believer, but he hadn't seen the Lord. He was a prophet, but he hadn't seen the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I had a genuine encounter. Today, if you're in this place and you say, my faith is something that sort of I wear like a coat when I come on Sundays. You know what? God wants you to see Him so that that becomes something on the inside, that your life begins to emanate out of your faith in Christ, not something that goes on externally. I saw the Lord. When I was 15 years old, I had a deep, moment of brokenness and encounter with God and I was already a Christian I'd accepted Jesus as a a young child and I believe I believe if I died I would have gone to heaven had nothing to do with my salvation it was about a genuine encounter with God I was 15 years old and I developed this nasty tongue this ability to cut people down with my words because I grew up and I was husky which is a nice way of saying I was chubby And I got teased, and I got picked on, and so I developed the ability to use words to cut people, to hurt people, and I was just ragging on this girl at this party. Uh, Maybe your context of party is different than mine. It was like a Christian party with a movie, and, you know, it was really not a party at all. But anyways, (laughs) just hanging out, I guess. So anyways, there I I was, hanging out, I'm just cutting this girl to shreds, just making fun of her, and I get home that night, and it was late. My dad was actually gone, and I went in. He was on a missions trip because he heard the call. Send me. He gets worse on trips than me. But anyways, I go in, and I lay down on the edge of the bed. My mom's are like, how's it going? You know, How are you doing, sweetie? Can I make you some food? She's Italian, right? So it's like 1 in the morning. She wants to cook me dinner. But anyways, <laughs> I'm there. And all of a sudden, I just felt God come in the room. I felt His presence, and I could feel my sinfulness, just like Isaiah. I'm a man of filthy lips. I I use my words to cut people, to hurt people. And you know, what I'm doing right now is using my words to build people up. I hope so. I hope you feel encouraged and built up today. So this is, on the other side of this encounter was who God really wanted me to be. So I was using my words to hurt people, to cut people, and I, be, I felt this tremendous sense of my sinfulness. And I just laid back on the bed and I started to cry. And my mom must have thought, he's doing drugs. <laughs> because I went crazy. I was just like, oh. Ah! And I start praying out loud and I saw the Lord. I had an encounter with God. And I look back from that moment and I say, or to that moment and I say, I was, I'm never, I've never been the same. Because I had a genuine encounter with the presence of God. And that's happened multiple times in my life. Now, do you need to cry? No. Do you need to have emotions? No. Do you need to, you know, have a this spiritual feeling experience? Actually, you, you, you don't. But for me, that's what it was like. But when you ask God or you open yourself up to Him in His presence, you will experience Him in a real way where it will be undeniable, where it will be a moment where you encounter genuinely His presence and you, you see the Lord and from that point you're never the same. Have you ever seen something awesome like truly awesome. I remember when I was younger, my parents took us to the Grand Canyon. And if the name gives you a clue, it's very grand. Thank you. It's, it's very grand. It's, I feel bad because I'm a chief uh, uh, sinner in the use of hyperbole. That's what all preachers do is we blow things up. So when I need words to truly describe something that's awesome or grand, I, I lack them because I use the word awesome and excited all the time. But the Grand Canyon was superlative. It was mind-bogglingly incredible. It was unfathomable. Okay, unfathomable. Anyways, I'm just having fun. But I saw the Grand Canyon, and I remember thinking, I thought this was just a big hole in the ground. It is that, but it's more than that, and I, I can't get it out of my head. That was probably 20 years ago, maybe more than that. And, and I want to take my wife there. I want to take my kids there. I want them to experience something that I saw that left me different, that was just incredible. And when you see the Lord, that's how it is. You know, when you see God, when you encounter Christ in a real way, and you hear the gospel and you believe in it and put your trust, and all of a sudden you know that your sins are forgiven and that you can now live by faith and grace, you can't stop talking about it. You're like, oh, I'd never be a missionary. Then you're like at work, you're like, Jesus saved me. People are like, what? Are you on drugs? I think so, but maybe. But it feels great. You're different. I saw the Lord. Come on, you got to see the Lord. Yeah. Number two, you have to hear the call. There's a man named David in the Scripture, and he was a shepherd boy, and he's the guy that was famous for fighting Goliath, right? David and Goliath fought the giant. It says in 1 Samuel 17, 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks, and it says, then David heard him shout his taunt to the army of Israel. And David heard that, and something just went click. And he said, oh, uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, uh uh-uh. uh. It is on like Donkey Kong. You know what I mean? It's like Liam Neeson I will find you. <laughs> right? He heard the call. Isaiah heard the call. There's a man named Nehemiah in the scripture. He was a. A Jew who had been exiled to Persia, and he was the king's cupbearer, the emperor's cupbearer, and this was a very prominent, influential position because the cupbearer had to be the most trusted because they tasted the wine and the food before the emperor did. So you were like the canary in the mine, right? You you were going to die first, but the king had to trust you that if there was any poison, you know, you 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 had his back. This is the role that Nehemiah had, and he was there in uh, with with Artaxerxes and. Some people came from Jerusalem and they said, it says in Nehemiah 1.3, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And it says in verse 4, when I heard this, when I heard, I sat down and wept. I heard what was going on. I heard there was a need. I heard what was happening. It says, in fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven Later on, he goes into the presence of the king and he's sad. He'd never been sad before in the presence of the king. You were not supposed to do that. You were supposed to put on a happy face. Everything's good. But he was sad. And the king said, What's going on? He said, I heard that my city, Jerusalem, the God's city, the, the city of my people, that its walls are broken down. And, and I can't, I'm not okay with that. The king said, Well, how can I help you? And with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me. Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Heard the call. David heard the call. There was something that caught his ear. Goliath was mocking the people of God. He was mocking God, and, and David said, I'm not okay with that. I can't get it out of my head. I heard the call. He heard the call. Nehemiah heard the call. He heard the story about what was wrong, and he said, I can't live with that. I can't just go back to the way things are or the way things were. I'm different now. I've heard the call. Pastor Bill Hybels calls this a holy discontent. It's where you hear something. Maybe you hear that, that there's an orphanage in Africa and they're underfunded and the kids are going to be put out and you just go, oh, I can't live with that. Maybe you hear about a child that needs to be adopted and you say, I, I can't live with this, with the state of our foster care system. I can't live with this. It's not okay. I have a holy discontent. I'm not okay with the way that it is. You know, there begins to be a deep care and a deep compassion. How do you know that you're called? Because you care. Because there's a connection. It, you hear it. And it sticks in your mind. I think about the city of Eugene. Three years ago when Bethany and I were coming up to Eugene and I was doing research, and which is my favorite thing to do, and I was looking at the city and and looking at the people that didn't know Christ. And I read a statistic that said that there are 220,000 people in the whole metro area that have no religious affiliation. And it struck me, this is over 200,000 people that not only don't have hope in Christ, they don't even have false hope. And I just said, ah, dang it, I'm going. I hear the call. I can't stay home. I can't stay where I'm at. Because I hear the call. I got to go. God, you're calling me. There's a mission. There's something there. Hear the call. See the Lord. Changes your heart from the inside out. Hear the call. Holy discontent. You know, sometimes, every great once in a while, one of the babies, one of the kids, right now it's Penny. She's our youngest. The other kids don't wake up too much, but Penny will wake up in the night and cry. And you know, Bethany and I are there, and she does probably 99.9% of the getting of the kids. But every once in a while, she doesn't hear, and I try to like act like I'm asleep and hope she wakes up. But then, after time goes by, I'm just kidding; it's not true, hon. But, uh, but you know, the baby's crying, and and I can't not do anything, right? I can't just leave it. Got to go respond. The other day, Jack was crying. He's supposed to be taking his nap, so I'm of course like a good parent, yelling at him from the upper floor. Shut up! Go to sleep, you know. Be quiet, because nap time is like, horrible to them for whatever reason. It's great for adults, but for kids, it's just terrible. So I finally go down and respond to the call, and he had his arm trapped in the, against the wall uh, with the, with the uh, bunk bed. I'm glad I responded. But sometimes you hear the call, and you just can't not do something. I know that's grammatically horrible, but you, you can't just stay the same. You can't ignore it. You have to respond. This is a part of sending. God, send me. I, I see you, Lord. I've had an encounter with you. I'm, I've never been the same. I'm saved. I'm set free. I'm different on the inside. And now I hear the call. I can't just sit where I'm at and do nothing when I see the brokenness around me, the brokenness of people that don't have hope. And number three, you've got to take the step. Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. God said, you're going you're to bring my word to these people. And let me just tell you being a prophet in Isaiah's time was not all great. It wasn't like, okay, I gave the message and I will take up an offering and everything's great. No, it was like delivering this message and sometimes you were hated, sometimes they were put in prison, sometimes they were rejected and exiled, sometimes they were executed. But he said, I hear the call. I've seen the Lord, and now I'm going to take that step of faith and I'm going to bring God's word to these people. Some of you were at our series Called Bigger, we did back in the summer at Hilliard, and we were still meeting there, talking about a God sized vision and the call of God to take steps of faith. You know, if you're playing it safe, it's not faith. If it's easy and it doesn't cost anything, it's not sacrifice. If, it, if, if the outcome is guaranteed, it's not faith. So you say, well, if if I see the Lord and I hear the call, then that means that everything in my life is going to work out good and I'll never get sick and everything will will come come up roses. No, that's not what it means. It just means that God will be with you. And you will be the person that he's created you to be. And you will really, truly be alive. On the other side of your obedience is real life. Jesus said, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It means everything is real and it's vibrant. And you're really alive. You're breathing the air that God made you to breathe. And your feet are going where He he created them to go. And you're walking in those works that He prepared before you. And you will, your heart will sing when you're on the mission of God. When you're following in His steps that He's calling you to go. And you got to take the step. Take the step of faith. For you, that looks different than it looks for me. This message is different for all of us. I'm not going to recruit you to serve in the nursery or recruit you to pass out door hangers, even though you should do that, come tomorrow. But... No, what is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to do? What do you hear and say, I can't live with this? For Isaiah, that was to bring the word of God to the people. For Nehemiah, it was to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. For David, it was to go fight Goliath. It was to go fight a giant. For you, it it might mean to move and go somewhere that God's calling you to to go, to be a missionary, or go and, and plant a church. I don't know what it is. But open your heart, open your mind to hear what God has. Or it might be to stay Maybe it's to start a joy group in your home, begin to love people. Maybe it's to take a neighbor out for lunch. Maybe it's to invite the people across the street that you don't like that much for a barbecue. Maybe it's to talk to the barista that serves you coffee every day. I don't know what it is, but you do because God is going to speak it to you. He's going to to call you. As you see him and you encounter his presence and you meet him in a real way and you hear that call, you're going to know because your heart strings are going to be connected to something And God's going to say, who shall I send? And you're going to say, God, here I am. Send me. I'm available. I lay my life out before you. We say about the topic of generosity that God has not called us to have empty hands. He's just called us to have open hands. Sometimes we think that when we go on mission for God and we begin to be activated in our our faith, that means that God's going to have us be poor and miserable. No. You might be very wealthy and very happy even externally and and prosperous that's awesome don't have empty hands just have open hands just say God everything I have is yours everything I am is yours my weakness my strength all of it is yours here I am send me this morning let's go ahead and stand up as we close we're going to respond to three things today very quickly and then we'll go eat some good food somewhere which I love to do on Sundays Come on, Sunday dinner and Sunday nap, right? I feel the glory of God right now. Three things today, and maybe for you it's all three. Number one, I need to see the Lord. It's my prayer. As we pray this dangerous prayer, it starts with this. God, I need to see you. I need to have an encounter with you. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Very quickly, every single week we meet here, people come just checking things out seeing what's up with, with church, seeing what's up with God, with Christianity. And I'm not going to tell you everything that you need to know right now in this moment, but maybe right now while you've been here, you felt something, a tug in your, your heart. And you know that it's time to trust Jesus. It's time to, to give Him leadership in your life, to trust Him for, to take your sins away and your failures and your flaws. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to put your trust in Jesus. And really, all that it takes is inside of your, your heart or your mind. You just make a decision. I'm going to follow Him. He's going to be my Lord. He's going to be my Savior. I'm going to give myself to Him. It's really like this prayer. Here I am. Send me. Or here I am. Take me. God, just bring me into your family. If that's you today, would you just lift up your hand so I can see anybody in this place? Pastor Jake, thank you. I see that. I want to encounter you. I want to see Jesus. Anybody else? Anyone in this place? Thank you, I see that. Thank you so much. I see that. Thank you. Many hands. I mean, I see that. Thank you. Many hands. Will you pray this prayer with me? Let me tell you what's going to happen. When you trust in Jesus, we don't know how this works. It's not a mechanical thing. It's not a prayer that you pray that's magic and it does something. No, it's just your trust and your faith. Your response to God is what creates this new relationship. And Jesus does everything. His grace, His love comes into your life. He's going to make you brand new. He's going to give you a brand new spirit, a brand new heart to follow Him. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're going to have a new nature inside of you. Right now, if you'll just pray this prayer with me, let's just put our trust and faith in Jesus. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all that I am, the good and the bad. I give it to you today, and I place my trust in you and in you alone. Give me the grace to follow you every day. I am your child, and I trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank the Lord for that today. We're going to move on here in just a second, but if you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, Please go and talk to Keith and Tina. You guys lift your hands up nice and high. The nicest people, probably in the whole church, but uh, (laughs) I don't want to downplay anybody else, but amazing. They are loving. They are not judging, and they want to talk to you. We want to get to know you. We want to get connected with you. We want to help you get planted and have community and family, and maybe you go, well, I don't really want to stick around here. That's okay. Okay. But we want to help you take the next step with Christ, okay? So please talk to them. Uh, just meet them at the table in the, at, uh, back there and just say, hey, I, I prayed that prayer. And they're going to help you take the next step. We want to get connected with you. Now, the rest of us, we move forward. Maybe you've been a Christian. You're a Christ follower. But you need a fresh encounter with God's presence. You need to see the Lord. You need the coal to touch your lips. If that's you, lift up your hands very quickly. God, I need a fresh encounter. I need a fresh encounter with your Spirit. God, I need, to be, I need to be reinvigorated because there's parts of me that I don't have compassion. I don't care about the people around me. Maybe, maybe there's not love in my spirit. Maybe there's not a hunger for God anymore. Maybe there's not a hunger for His presence. Maybe there's not a hunger to see God's purposes come to pass in your life. And if that's you, and I'm right here today, I want to pray, God, here I am. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to encounter you today afresh and anew. There was a great revivalist He said If I don't break down in tears at least once a week I know that my heart is growing hard Our heart gets so hard We get bombarded with culture We get bombarded with the the nonsense around us And we need to go back and encounter the Lord I saw the Lord Come on, let's encounter Him today Jesus, we invite you to come in this place In a fresh way Next prayer Lord, I need to hear the call maybe that's you and you, your faith is strong you love Jesus you're in the word every day you're excited but there's no compassion you walk by people on the streets and you don't, it just doesn't even cross your mind you know what's worse than ignoring people it's when you don't even notice it's apathy which means there's a hardness that it's cut off and Christ is not coming through you the love that has come to you is not coming through you the grace that has come to you is not going through you Lord, I need to hear the call. If that's you, lift up your hands. God, I need to hear the call. Before I can go, I need to hear. What is it that inside of me needs to be broken so I can hear and I can respond that, Lord, I have a holy discontent where I say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start that shelter for homeless people. I'm going to work with orphans and widows. God, I'm going to talk to my neighbor. God, I'm going to start a joy group. Whatever it is, there's now compassion that, Lord, we step out of our comfort zone. Let us hear the call. Let us hear the call. And lastly, let's all pray this together. Lord, will you send us to do your will? Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Just say that today. If you're ready to pray this dangerous prayer, say, here I am, send me. God, wherever you would have me go, whatever you would have me to do, God, whatever person you would have me talk to, Lord, it's not me by myself. It's me with your power and your spirit, a real genuine encounter resonating on the inside by the Spirit of God. Send me. Here I am. God, I want to go into the world. I'm a missionary, maybe not on a, in a foreign country, but right here in the city of Eugene. Lord, stir up a mighty army of regular, ordinary people who are stirred, who've heard the call, who've seen you, and God, are ready to go into the world and proclaim the hope and faith and love of Jesus Christ as it's been proclaimed to us. Here I am. Send me. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. God bless you. Amen.